Just a quick word about this week's episode. The sound quality is not quite what we would like it to be, but it's been a while since we put a show up, so we thought we'd go ahead and do it. Uh, you can expect another episode up later this week. Thanks for your patience. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktail hour. All times cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh Lucas and Kate Matthews. Hello. As is expected, I am not Kate. And as mostly expected, I am not Josh today. Every week, Kate and I make a cocktail that we've never had, and then we drink it. And then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then we watch some movies sometimes and talk about other things and send you on your way a whole in about an hour. Mm-hmm. How's your week? We've been uh, a little bit lax on getting to put the show up. I take the full blame on that. I, I'm, uh, I started a new job, and I keep telling myself... cross-country trucker, yeah. so she's been gone most so, of the time. Exactly, and I keep telling myself that I'm going to take the right eye back to mm-hmm. our apartment to do the show every night, and then I keep yeah. just calling Josh and begging pills. it off. Yeah, you, you got um, so, the syphilis. The, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I'm just assuming as a, as a cross-country trucker, you're spreading syphilis. syphilis everywhere. Oh, well, I try. Yeah. So in our precious few moments that we have together mm-hmm. with your new interstate train, you, you weren't the one who ran over Tracy Jordan, were you? I was not. Or Tracy Morgan. Oh, God. Tracy Morgan, up for debate. Tracy Jordan, definitely not. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so in our precious few moments together before you head back out on the road mm-hmm. in a great big convoy, what are we drinking <laughs> and what did we watch? Um, well, we watched 1978's The Swarm. Mm-hmm. Another disaster movie from the 70s, mm-hmm. helmed by... Erwin Allen. Erwin Allen. One of the two directors... We watched his other... The other feature that he directed. He's known for producing them. Oh, really? Okay, but I didn't know that. He directed two uh, last week's uh, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, the movie that broke me. You're not You're not saying it right. Beyond the Poseidon Adventure! I don't Adventure. think anyone in the movie said it that way. I just feel like it... Well, okay. <laughs> and then this week's The Swarm. The Swarm. Right. Um, and what are we drinking? We're having French 75s. Wow. All right. Well, uh, and what's in a French 75? French 75 is gin, champagne, and mm-hmm. uh, super fine sugar or simple syrup, depending on what you want to do, and lemon juice, preferably freshly squeezed. Damn, sugar, you looking super fine. <laughs> uh, and I would love to hear the story of the French 75. And you will. Because it is cryptic in its uh, combination of a ordinal number and a nationality Mm -hmm. but first i have to do the standard disclaimers oh okay standard disclaimer number one neither kate nor i is an expert on cocktails or really anything that we talk about but especially cocktails so it's very likely that we will do something untoward to your favorite drink besides drink it (laughs) if we do please send us a note and let us know what we can do to improve Uh. or unapprove deprove i don't know i just i like getting letters yeah, really, anything. You're one of those people who like signs up like at the hotel registry just to get junk mail, aren't you? That's why I have so many credit card offers that come you in do. the mail. It's, amazing. it's ridiculous. Like I don't know where they came from. Well, I mean, they, you know, they came from people who want you to. Do you? And you're actually pretty good about paying off your credit card balance. So I don't understand. You know, usually credit card companies don't want that. Um, I, I do. Um, when I bought my car, they told me I have one of the best credit ratings for someone my age, so mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Um, but 
I I don't I like to think of myself as financially it's like responsible. It's like when they do the colonoscopy. What? You've got the colon of a 20-year-old. You have the best colon of a 20-year-old. You have the credit rating of a 15-year-old. It's astonishing. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know where they came from. I, I like to think that I'm financially responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you are. You're um, certainly much more financially responsible than me. But that is damning with faint praise. Yeah. <laughs> Second standard disclaimer is that alcoholism is a serious disease, not unlike botulism or hepatitis A. And if you had either of those, mm-hmm. uh, you'd be concerned and probably seek at least some kind of professional health. And you should do that help. And you should do that, too, if you believe you might have a drinking problem. What? Why botulism? Botulism, mm-hmm. because uh, it's advised that you don't serve honey <laughs> to children under 12 months of age because of the risk of botulism. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, I was thinking botulism would go more with Beyond the Poseidon Adventure because the cans that I can only presume were dented in the the overturn of the craft. But and uh, hepatitis A uh-huh. uh, because it is uh, one of the only uh, it is the it is in fact the only uh, vaccine preventable uh, foodborne illness. Really? Yeah, I didn't know it was foodborne. It is indeed. Oh, so uh, also. Uh, Tomorrow, the day after we are recording this show, mm-hmm. World Hepatitis Day. Oh, really? July 28th. Yeah. It uh, aims to raise global awareness of hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Yeah, you know. Really? What do you get hepatitis A from? Like, what foods? It's food poisoning. What foods, though? Anything specific? Well, it's or? just the standard oral fecal route, so, you know. <laughs> it's the standard oral fecal route. I mean, it route. is. That's how, you know, that's how you get everything. The standard I mean, spoilers, oral you get, fecal route. You get poop on everything. Probably. You know that, right? Yeah. Like, they did that study a couple of years ago, and they tested everybody's cell phones, and there's, like, more self, more poop on a cell phone than a toilet seat. Uh, yeah, I, although since I started my new job as a cross-country <laughs> trucker, I have been vac- not vaccinated. I have been uh, <laughs> inducted in uh, well, that's HPV. They, the they, cult they, of, uh, of frequent hand-washing and hand sanitation yeah. and sanitizer. Hepatitis A vaccine protects against hepatitis A in more than 95% cases for longer than 12 years. Uh, the vaccine was first phased in in 1996 for children in high-risk areas, and in 1999 it was spread to areas with elevating levels of infection. So oh. there you go. Okay. Yeah, so people who work in hospitals and I think kids is what they give it to. Well... I'm one of those things. Well, there you go. You are a kid mm-hmm. driving cross-country in a truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pushing that crank down your gullet. It's sad the way that we, God, haves and have-nots in this country. Income gap. Forcing our little kids to drive across the country in their little big wheels, which you can't even, you could probably walk things across the country faster than they could get it across You could, but wheel. it's uh, at a certain point, I think it's the uh, the upper echelon of society just laughing at the poor man like right. look at that child like haha and i think also probably there's places that a kid in a big wheel can get that an adult driving a truck can't get you know if you really want to like push your merch and i'm not saying what your merch is uh but you, you know, shouldn't because like, i might lose my job you might right you know like in, in a kinder care or something it's meth i'm pushing meth i thought we'd given meth to kids anyhow yeah freaking add drugs so the French 75. Yes. Yeah. So My guess was that it was invented in France in 1975, but I was wrong about you would, that. You would be wrong. Um, on both counts, actually. You, you know why I guess that? I, I even looked up a whole list of things that were from France in 1975. Such as? In the hopes 
that that was how we, how we got it. The only thing that I, that I found was uh, show veteran uh, Marion Cotillard oh, was born, born in 1975 oh, okay. in France. All right. So uh, let's see here. Star of, of The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And the new Macbeth. You know, she's Lady Macbeth in the new Macbeth movie they're making. That she could be good. She's Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Um. All right, so the French 75 is made up of one part lemon juice, two parts chilled gin, and two dashes of simple syrup or one teaspoon of uh, superfine sugar. You combine that in a shaker that's been chilled, and then you pour it into a champagne flute or highball glass and fill the top with champagne. It can be served with a lemon served? Pe- served. It can be served with a lemon peel as a garnish, but we're not doing that because it's super fancy. <laughs> we're more salt of the earth with our French 75s. We are. We're like a French, hey man, French 74 to 76, whatever, whatever you feel like. We're not going to lay any rules on you. <laughs> so, Josh, are you mm-hmm. ready to travel back in time with me? Yes, I am. That Wow, that is where all the shiny chrome on our blanket fort comes from, is traveling in time. To learn more about the origins of the French 75. You bought a time machine. Yes. We must journey back to prefer not to favorite bar and bartender. Harry McAlone and Harry's New York bar oh, gosh. in Paris. He was responsible for what? Hold on, let me get the sidecar? Uh, everything. Really? Pretty much. <laughs> All right. If it's not uh, Jerry the bartender, it's this guy, I feel like, for every cocktail we go to. Or Don the beachcomber. Uh, well, that was just the, 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 the one, really. I thought it was the zombie in the Mai Tai. Oh, yeah, you're right. But we haven't done the Mai Tai yet, oh, so. Yeah. Or ever. Sorry, the drink was created by Harry sometime in 1915, mm-hmm. and it got its namesake from during the, the war. Mm-hmm. Wow! It got its namesake from the French 75 cannon, which was an artillery gun first produced in 1897. There you go. So guns were much on people's minds, I guess. Well, yeah. So uh, sort of. Um, Harry worked at New York bar in Paris for a while until mm-hmm. the guy sold it, and he eventually had to sell it back to Harry. So then it became Harry's. So it's New a York bar, bar named New York bar. But it's in Paris. Right, because it's supposed to be an American dive. It's like when you go to New York, New York in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a really interesting place. I mean, that's, uh, we've talked about this on the show before, Mm -hmm. but a lot of um, expatriates and people were like, you know, flocking. Hemingway was a fan, Mm -hmm. you know, um, F. F. Scott Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. Zelda. Was this, was this the place where they, where, uh, was this the bar where F. Scott Fitzgerald whipped out his penis and had uh, Hemingway look at it? Probably. I didn't know that. Is that a thing? Did that happen? Oh, you don't know that story? No. It's in uh, Movable Feast. Like, there's a story that Hemingway writes about, about uh, Fitzgerald is worried that his dick is too small. That's the one. And he says, like, okay, we're going to settle this once and for all. We're going to go to the bathroom, and you're going to show me your dick. And Hemingway's like, it's fine. It didn't, no I haven't read Movable Feast. You should read that. Okay, I will. I'll add that. So oh, the yeah. drink was created by Harry sometime in 1915, uh, after the French 75 canon. The French 75 cannon, in mm-hmm. particular, was unique because it was one of the first, if not the first, field gun with a recoil mechanism so that the wheels of the cannon could hold still while in use. Oh. So you didn't get that, you so know, you, like in yeah, old like movies, we're, right. like when they're using, like, old... Where the gun recoils, but the vehicle stays in place. The revolutionary was, like, you know, the gun, and they have to roll it back. Because otherwise they'd have to chain them, right. Mm-hmm. So this one actually was able to stay in place. Um, the cannons were initially designed to cut through approaching personnel. Right. However... Um, with the advent of trench warfare, mm-hmm. aka no troops to cut down because no one's rushing right. towards you, they actually became repurposed to launch toxic gas shells into huh. enemy companies. Uh, the French 75 cannon was so popular that it rep- that it was the main 
form of attack at the Battle of Verdun. Mm-hmm. Um, it stayed in use until well through 70, um, 74. Well was through Verdun World War II. The big mustard gas battle? I thought it was Ypres. Like 75% of the French's artillery at that gun. Wow. Like literally it was the French 75. Um, they remained in use until World War II. Um, now they are not in use, but they are used to uh, fire salutes in army. Right. Because yeah. I bet they look very impressive with their springy recoils. and. Well, they do. And, uh, you know, they're very effective. So they're not really used in battle anymore, but they are used in terms of they're, they're very antiquated and ceremonial. Yeah, I think probably one of the big reasons that they're not used in battle is because they're uh, part of the French military. <laughs> there was one of the articles I read about the French 75, the cannon. They did say something about how the French were so happy that this was like this big revolutionary, you know, development in arm and warfare. And then yet... They still lost. It was like, you know, can you imagine, like, trudging your French 75s back through the mud when the Nazis, not the Nazis, the Germans are coming towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the drink itself owes mm-hmm. its name to the alcoholic content of the beverage. Because Being somewhat explosive. Yes. And if you have too many, you'll feel like you've been hit with a shell. All right. Now, I am not drinking today, but I will have a taste of yours. Okay. Here because you I'm a little under the weather today. I like it. It's rather like a like a champagne cocktail, but with gin. Yeah. Yeah. And like the champagne cocktail, I suspect that if you have too many, you will... Well, longtime fans of the show might remember our champagne cocktail cocktail. Yeah, we podcast. put those back. God, they were delicious, but... Yeah. Mm. And that's the French 75. It's a tasty treat. So, Marion Cotillard, thank you. You've given us so much. Uh, I guess. Certainly, you gave us the third act of The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I am wondering though if um, this would Piaf. this would taste better with um, real champagne, like good champagne. I don't know. Again, we've talked about this before, but the the dilemma of mixing good things into cocktails. Yeah, but it it finishes with a really heavy champagne taste. So I'm wondering, you know, if it would be worth worth well, yeah. shelling I mean, out gin, for the twelve dollar bottle as yeah. opposed to the six dollar bottle. Well, gin is also less. Uh, you know, gin is a little bit more of a. It doesn't shoulder its way into your mouth as much as brandy does in the champagne cocktail. Shoulder its way well, You know what I'm saying. Like, brandy's very sweet. Yes. Uh, whereas gin is sort of, you can put gin in things and, you know, it can be somewhat more su- subtle. Yeah. Than brandy, which is a fine girl and a good wife. Mm-hmm. And a Alas, though. I just, I talk to a lot of sailors. That's what yeah. they say. Yeah. Um, can you tell I'm trying to avoid talking about the movie that we watched? Um... There's a, a cat. There's a cat trying to escape from a thing. Kate. Kate got a cat uh, within the past two weeks, and uh, and, lo- she, and lots the first person. And uh, it, it loves her, but she is a total spaz. Then the cat too. <laughs> All right. So yes, Josh, the movie you you didn't you didn't care for our journey I into. Just, uh, know, I don't. It was uh, you know. First of all, into, this is oh the God. swarm. This is uh, what? what was the name of the town? I don't even remember. Yeah, it was uh, in, any town, USA. No, it was in California because they were raising flowers, right? Or was no, it, it was near Texas. It was near right? Texas because the bees were taking, right? they were attacking, were attacking Houston. Houston. All of Houston. Okay, so basically, this is the story of how uh, killer bees. <laughs> uh, uh, bees well, story of how bees attack America. Uh, yeah, Africanized. Starring. Africanized killer bees, starring, starring Michael, Michael Caine and uh, show favorites Michael Caine and Richard Widmark, uh-huh. Olivia uh, De Havilland, and show favorite Olivia De Havilland, um, screen legends uh, Ben Johnson and Fred McMurray. Also, a lot of rep- repeat. Yeah, Fred McMurray's a repeat customer. Repeat too. prefer not two stars. Uh, Catherine Ross. We did Catherine Ross. Uh, we've got uh, Patty Duke Gaston. 
who she was, Patty Dugaston at the time, mm-hmm. and who else? Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens again. 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 This is actually, this is worth mentioning because, uh, let's see, Irvin Allen did um, The Swarm. Irwin Allen did The Swarm. Mm-hmm. And then he did Beyond the Poseidon Adventure right. like, in the next year. Right. So there is a lot of... Uh, cast crossover. Cast crossover, including Michael Caine, Slim Pickens. Um, who else? Uh, Olivia de Havilland. Um, she wasn't in Beyond. No, but she was in something else. Airport, 77. Yeah. Uh, right. But also, that was also Irwin Allen. Yeah. So, it's a lot of repeat customers. Oh, Henry Fonda. We left off Henry Fonda Henry is in this Henry effing Fonda right. is in this movie. Uh, this is in a, a movie wheelchair. that Michael Caine, who has made a lot of movies, and not all of them very good, mm-hmm. lists as one of his three worst movies that he's what ever made. What are the made. other two? Uh, Jaws. No. Oh. Jaws Revenge is not on there. It's uh, the movie of the Magus that he made. <laughs> okay. An unfilmable book to begin with. Uh, and one other. I forget what the third Ashanti? one is. Yeah, I think it is. Was it Ashanti? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's Ashanti, uh, the movie The Magus, and this one. Yeah. But when he's asked about this movie, uh, he says, hey, look, Henry Fonda is doing it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can't, you can't blame me. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> well, no, that's the Jaws 4 line. Oh, is it? I thought it was from this one. I'm pretty sure. Are you sure? I thought it was oh, from I Jaws 4 the line. So before we watch this movie, I uh, at work... Um, I I read a, a listicle, if you will, about the best and worst Michael Caine movies, um, which was really problematic while I was driving cross country. But I'm, I I make it work. I'm actually multi talented. Oh, Lee Grant, also veteran of uh, of Irwin Allen movies. Yeah, she was in Airport Seventy Seven. Oh yeah, she was. Okay, so um, and this was one of they they it, it, they all kind of blurred together all of these. Oh, movies we also left off screen Caine. legend Jose Ferrer in one scene and a bearded Richard Chamberlain. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. Not bee bearded. He wasn't wearing a bee. Well, a he beard of he bees. ended up wearing a bee Eventually. beard. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was just very lushly bearded. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there's a lot of bad Michael Caine movies, but this is this is probably the. This is a really bad. This is really bad. And the, the, the gist of the movie, and I don't, we saw the long, the television, long ass television version, yeah, and I did. really don't want to go into every single detail of the plot, but the gist of it uh, is that, be, it, that, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but when I was a kid, this was sort of a yearly story. The Swarm came on every year? No. no. <laughs> yes, it came out every year on Arbor Day. The family would gather around and watch The Swarm. Uh, no. But every year, the sort of local news would have a story that the killer bees, they're getting closer. They're getting every cl- ever closer. The Africanized killer bees are getting oh, closer to the border. That was in my childhood, yeah. too. Uh, and they never seemed to get here. Do you remember there was a series of X-Files episodes with killer yeah, bees? Wasn't that like a core part of the X-Files mythos? I'm not like a big X-Files fan, but uh, yeah. Wasn't that how they, they, they used the bees to transmit the alien DNA from people? All I remember is that a bee is the reason that uh, Scully and Mulder actually never kissed on the show, because they were about to, and then a bee stung Scully. Yeah, I think that I think it's like there was, some sort there of vector was a, for yeah, the alien something DNA about that. or something. You know, because they, they, anyhow... Uh, so every year they, they keep saying these Africanized killer bees are coming, and Africanized meaning that they they are ordinary North American honeybees mm-hmm. that have been somehow interbred with a, a much more aggressive African uh, bee. It's arachnophobia, but with bees. Right, uh, but what I'm saying is that is the core of the element that is uh, out there in the culture that this movie then springboards into a world of imagination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Keep going. <laughs> there so, are bees, killer bees. So, so basically, uh, Michael Caine plays, what is his name, Bradford Crawford? 
Greenford. It's Brad something. It's Bradford something. It's Brad. It's, it's Brad. Like... Uh, let's see. Brad. Uh, Bradford Crane. Bradford Crane. His name is Michael Kane, and they call him Bradford Crane. Kane. Crane. Crane. Okay. Michael Bradford. Uh, Doctor Michael Bradford. Et- etymologist. Uh, right. Uh, is at the scene of an army base that has been wiped out by a mysterious something or other. Turns out it's a big swarm of uh, killer bees. Mm-hmm. But the the army shows up at the base, and he's the only person alive. Him and Catherine Ross, right? Right, yeah. Uh, are the only people alive. She's like a sort of bee doctor. No, she's a doctor doctor. Like, yeah, but she ends up only treating bee victims. Yeah. And becoming, becoming a victim herself. <laughs> Anyhow, and there is not a lot of plot in this movie, so... Uh, so we're going to cross the bare bones of it. Yeah. Um, eventually, it turns out that Michael Caine is a bee expert. And I never actually... I'm sure at some point they made it clear why he just happened to be there when all of the bee bees were he's being... been tracking the bees. Right. I think. Is what, what, what the idea was, is that he'd been tracking them, and then there was like this ridiculous, uh, huge swarm, if right. you will. So the swarm attacks the armor base. General, played by Richard Widmark, shows up, and they, they he and uh, Michael Caine yell at each other. Every a, lot, time. a lot like and, Gene and, Hackman and, and yeah, Ernest A lot like Borgnine. Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine. This sort of pointless conflict. And it's literally like, it will come out of nowhere. One, one of the other character will be in a scene with another character having a perfectly reasonable conversation and then just sort of turn and talk to, if it's if it's Richard Widmark, just sort of turn and talk to Michael Caine and instantly yelling at mm-hmm. one another. So... As you know, I have been sent and by right. the president to be it, here. This entire movie is done in... That may be, but I'm still the general. Right, in tell-don't-show format. Uh, there's a lot of as-you-knowing, as Kate was pointing out. Uh, as you know, I am the general of the army. As you know, I am a bee expert. Uh, as you know, we've got to find a way to find the bees. Uh, <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't. Right. It's everyone sort of. My motivation is clear, and this is what it is. Um, so it's it's really the dialogue is sort of. It reminded me of um, on Community, mm-hmm. the show Community. They did an episode where everyone was sort of imagining their uh, scary Halloween tales that they tell. Mm-hmm. And there's the one character Abed who's sort of Aspergery, mm-hmm. and his whole tale is him just describing his motivations in, in very sort of factual straightforward terms I have per- he says things like uh, you know uh, I've brought us to this cabin uh, let's let's listen to the radio to see if there are any safety announcements and that's the kind of dialogue that there is in this movie yeah. where uh, people describe precisely what they are doing and then do it and then describe what they just did mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, so uh, Michael Caine uh, becomes convinced that it's the bees, and in m- probably my favorite line of dialogue, which we will post on the website, uh, my favorite line of dialogue of Michael Caine of all time, mm-hmm. I believe, Michael Caine says... Le- I was going to say, you might want to leave it for them okay. to go to the website to listen to. I don't know. Well, the capper line is he never. No, well, you, you he just... never dreamed it would be the bees. No, let, let's 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 do it. Like, you know, go ahead and do it. What is something like like a new fun of battle was coming, but I never dreamed it would have been the bees. They've always been our friends. <laughs> I always knew that mankind would be destroyed by insects, but I never thought it would it's, be the bees. It's three layers of hilarity. I always knew the final battle was coming. Of insects. Right. Of, of man versus insect. 
but I, I never dreamed it would have been the bees. Why wouldn't you? They're, you know, if you're picking insect teams, I'm picking bees. They've always been up. Bees have never been my friend. I don't. Bees are our friends in the agricultural sense. Like, They've you know, been our don't you want to know what happened to the bees? Okay, so meanwhile, in a nearby town, uh, a bunch of retired actors are, <laughs> are getting ready for the flower fest. For the flower fest. For retired oh, actors, no. I mean, uh, Olivia de Havilland, uh, Fred McMurray, and Ben Johnson are getting ready for their flower festival. Uh, it just so happens that there's a flower festival the day that the bees attack. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a park, a family gets attacked by the swarm of bees, and the mother and the, 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 the father are killed instantly, and the kid sort of gets in the car and run, manages to get away from the bees. Yeah. And is brought to the hospital. Um, where he's sort of recovering from the... Henry Fonda, meanwhile, has shown up on the scene. He's sort of Michael Caine's mentor in biology. Well, he's also like a world-class venom right. expert right. or that's something. Right, that's what I'm saying. He's sort of the... the, the uh, ahead of uh, Michael Caine on the bee totem pole. The bee list, if you will. If you will. If you won't, that's it's cool, the, too. It's the A-B list, really. Yes, it's the, the A-list. A-list of bee experts. Because you don't want to, The B-B list is just... You know, those are people who mostly work with termites, and it's like, what good is that? Yeah. It's just bees in their off time. But no, Henry Fonda is on the A-B list and shows up to do research on the, the, the venom because, that they now have a sample of because the kid brought one bee back with him. Right? Yeah, something like that. You know, the kid is recovering from his stings. Henry Fonda discovers that three bees, three stings, four stings is enough to kill any man. Yeah, so, these... like, once you get stung, you're, it's a miracle if you right. make it out alive. From these Africanized killer bees. And it's mm-hmm. at this point that the movie becomes a bit racially uncomfortable. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> because characters cease referring to the bees as, as the bees. bees. Or as Africanized bees, or Africanized killer bees, or killer bees. Or re- the swarm, even. Or even African bees. And s- start referring to them as Africans. The Africans. Right. So they say things like, when the Africans come, none of us are going to be safe. <laughs> the Africans have taken over, and we're all going to be killed. The Africans are dangerous and want us all dead. I mean, No one will survive no, the Africans. No one will survive the Africans. And you have to think that at some point during production, someone might have said to Irwin, uh, Hey. Hey. You know, I know that you mean the bees, and, you know, we're good friends, and I spend a lot of time around you, and I know there's not a racist bone in your body, but people might see, you know, you're using this word as not necessarily, you know, they might interpret it. Well, even, Josh, you you commented on this during Uh, the movie. No, I mean, it's clear, it's bees. You commented on this during the movies. These uh, these bees from Africa have been slowly encroaching upon our right, our, encroaching upon our southern border from from the south, <laughs> from the south, right, and uh, taking our bees. Right, they're taking well, and that's breeding yeah, they're, our, our ordinarily docile bees. They're taking our our these docile, savage, civilized North American female bees. Yes. and are being impregnated by these savage African. And they're, they're, their spawn is just, right. it's an abomination before Becoming the Lord. Becoming violent with their violent ways. and their t- It really is like B-Earth of a nation, yeah. this movie. <laughs> All right, so, so there's... By, by B.W. Griffith. <laughs> so the bees eventually, I don't know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of nothing that goes on in this movie. I think the important thing that we need to remember is that, A, if you get stung by a bee, mm-hmm. you will 
at some point during your recovery. Uh, this the, uh, yeah, this is the other part. So the kid is recovering, and we suddenly see He's things like in a coma. From his point of view, and he wakes up, and all he sees is this massive bee <laughs> Giant hovering bee. over a bed. And Michael Caine says, go ahead, touch the bee. Touch the bee. It's not real. So all of the victims who who make it who are alive, like if they make it out, at some point during their recovery, they do start hallucinating giant bees attacking them. Yeah, a Um, great apiary freakout. So uh, let's see. So at some point, the entire town gets swarmed by the bees. Right. Well, then they get on a train to get out of the flower festival. Well, they get swarmed. They get swarmed by bees. A bunch of kids die while Olivia de Havilland, who is a local school teacher, right. Watches. Shrieks as <laughs> looking out and the And then window. scream moans. Oh! Right. We so, should put that up, too. So they decide to... Uh... Oh, and also, pre- pregnant waitress Patty Duke Aston gets stung, right? Or is she a nurse? What is she? She's a waitress. Okay, yeah. Uh, and she gets stung all to hell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she... Uh, they, they all end up... They decide they're going to evacuate the town. They all... Everyone gets on a train. There's a subplot with uh, the two dudes, Fred... Fred McMurray and uh, and Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson for her, for, love. for her love, which which <laughs> this way the arc of these three characters ends suddenly when the train derails and they all die. right because of the bees. The bees. The bees. All right, so here's something. Here's just something. as I was getting invested in these. Characters. I wanted to. Oh. I want to ask you something, Josh. I'm mm-hmm. going to pose you a couple of questions. Okay, what's up? All right. So, if you were a train conductor, right? Train engineer, right? Driving the train, right? High on cocaine, and. If you were told mm-hmm. that you had to pilot this train out of Beeville, mm-hmm. anywhere USA, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, because there's an approaching there's an approaching swarm mm-hmm. theoretically, mm-hmm. and you have been chosen to pilot said train out of right. Beeville. Conduct, conduct. Would you a leave the windows open <laughs> or b roll them up? What was my second choice? Leave the windows open, or that was B, a. That was a. or B, <laughs> roll them up. Well, you know, the, the problem is that we have learned that you may need to fire off a safety flare to distract a heat-seeking missile. Different, you know, different, different, different universes. Uh, we, yeah, we... I would probably take what minimal efforts I could to prevent bees from entering the the locomotive. Well, then you the would probably survive this movie. Yeah. However, train conductor, bees come up to the train. Mm-hmm. They find their way in because they've left the windows open. I'm not open. sure this is how trains work either. It's not like, you know... Like when you're driving a car and like a fly gets in the car and you take your hands off the steering wheel. Yeah, or you accidentally swerve. Yeah. I don't think you can swerve a train. Well, something (laughs) happened. It's kind of on rails. Something happened. It had the uh, chip shot Irwin Allen uh, people like freaking out as something turns around. The spinning of the camera. Which is very uh, familiar in airplane, but in this one. Port. Airport, sorry. Also an airplane, yes. although that doesn't have anything to do with Rowan Allen. And, and so eventually uh, the train derails and tumbles down a hill, and then we never hear about the train no, ever again. Yeah, bad. And I have a feeling that that was an entire subplot that was just added for the TV version, because we mm-hmm. watched the long TV version, because mm-hmm. uh, those people disappear. Uh, meanwhile, Richard Chamberlain has showed up as Dr. Skeptical, who doesn't agree with anything that Michael Caine says uh, until he's someone gets stung by a bee uh, and then proves him wrong. Eventually, he gets on board. He goes to warn Jose Ferrer, who runs the local nuclear plant, that you've got to evacuate this nuclear plant because apparently bees can blow up a nuclear plant. Weren't they? They were like attracted to like the heat or like the something. 
Um, Anyhow, one scene, screen legend Jose Ferrer says, I'm not giving up my nuclear plant. And then he gets attacked by bees. And then he and Richard Chamberlain get killed. Uh, Patty Dugaston gives birth to her babies. They use some eco-friendly bombs to try and lure them to some to kill them, but it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Then they lure them to Houston. They're going to attack Houston. They don't, they don't lure them to Houston. The bees go, are the bees, going to right, Houston. Right. And they, don't, they need the to African, evacuate. The Africans want to besiege our, our major cities. In Houston. And so they show up at Houston. Um, Michael Caine's, like, touchy-feely, hippy-dippy approach to controlling the bees hasn't been working. Right. Richard Woodmark's, but Richard Woodmark's bomb them into the Stone Age hasn't worked either. Meanwhile, Catherine Ross has been stung to now, death. Well, I was going to say, this is the chance that Richard Woodmark has to right. kill the bees, because... All along, they've been doing this, like, you know, Except force that doesn't versus... Work either. Well, right, but uh, right. Josh is, is trying to skip over one of the most important scenes in the movie, which is okay. when, in the middle of Houston, a mm. bunch of soldiers go out in bee-proof suits, apparently, yes. with flamethrowers. <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten, yes, you're right. And just keep flaming, flaming the, bees. the bees. Inside buildings, outside buildings, doesn't matter, just so trying to set bees on we, fire. Yeah, just hoping that we can kill all the bees. 24 hours later, as we learned we've from Michael Caine, we've only made it worse, says yes. Michael Caine, who, uh, is, who is in a building Ross with Catherine Ross. fighting off her, uh, her beasting mania. <laughs> well, after she gives a, she, a sensual massage to Michael right. Caine, she, wake, she passes she out. She then wakes up, uh, and she hears, like, scratching at her door in her in her hospital room and she's sort of no, a little in, delirious they're like in a an office building it was like a, well it was like a compound where they, the military guys yeah, all yeah, sort of yeah. seen so and they've got their science equipments uh, to do science she hears with. like a, a sort of at the door and you're like oh what's what's that going at the door and she she opens up the door and what is it Kate? it's a giant it's bee it's a giant ass bee hallucinate hallucinating right in the eye just going hey I'm a bee <laughs> hey baby <laughs> Uh, so Catherine oh, Ross is you know what we left out? Uh, what did we leave out? So um, the reason that the bees attacked any town USA to begin with is the kid who was originally his <laughs> parents were mad. killed got <laughs> went out with two of his rapscallion friends right. and threw. Uh, they put on their uh, propeller beanie helmets and they took their slingshots and put them in the back pocket. And they yeah no they did and then they they. <laughs> They slingshot something into the bee's nest yeah. outside of town, which caused the bees to Just attack got the town. Mad. Right. Anyway. That was the sort of triggering event, besides the fact that the bees had murdered his parents. So back to back to Houston. Um, she's freaking out. Uh, Michael Caine is there to kind of, uh, he realizes that the reason that the bees are attacking is because of Sounds. vibrations right. that who is giving out? I don't. Uh, it was uh, the, an alarm system. It was the, the army alarm system was on just the same frequency as the, the bees would attack. Oh, no, no, no. It was on the same frequency as uh, apparently when a queen bee um, right. dies, there's two rival queen bees. And it calls them to come that, fight. That can, that can take over. And so it calls all the other like drones to come and watch the fight. Right. And so they're already like, you know, zazzed up. They're ready to go. So they decide so. this is their way to use it. They, you, they get some helicopters and they put some speakers on them. They fly the helicopters out over the ocean. Mm -hmm. They turn on their uh, buzz on. They, buzzer they drop th little sphere. little they, beacons into right, the. And they ocean. cover the oil, the 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 Gulf of Mexico with oil, uh, in a prophetic move. Uh, and then, as they lured them out with the uh, bee alarm, they set the ocean on fire and burn up the swarm. Yep. And Michael Caine and Catherine Ross watch uh, from the shore. And they say, you know, maybe, just maybe, we've bought this ourselves given enough us some time, time. Yeah. to survive the swarm. And that's the end of the swarm. Mm -hmm. 
and by the end of Josh is leaving out all the tedious parts that made no sense that it made it what it was like two hours and 30 minutes something like that yeah, yeah. it was so long well, we watched the long version that was made to be broken into two nights so we got like just endless scenes with Fred McMurray and Ben Johnson and Olivia de Havilland you know this is her horror. second to last film role uh, I thought she's still alive she is, but it's her to date. To date, it is her second to last film role because she hasn't been in a movie since like nineteen eighty something, nineteen seventy. Waiting for a project as good as the Swarm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's something that's She's likely still... likely ever to be. <laughs> Get it? Because I use the word "be." Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> it, it's this was a lovely movie. I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> what about who's, you, Josh? Who is, is that? Is that Paul Lind? No, Paul in with a Cockney accent. I don't know if I can do that Is one. That Catherine Hepburn. Um, it was long. I think. I think if we had seen the shorter version, I think. Here's what I think. I think as uh, Hank, as, Hank. Okay, sorry. As like a again as a shitty movie to watch when you're drinking with your friends. We weren't the drinking. Short version. We weren't drinking. No, this was during was the middle of the day. I know. Uh, yeah, that might have been why it seemed so long. Uh, but <laughs> what I'm getting. I would say watch the short version, mm-hmm. which is something like 111 minutes. Still, it'll, have, still it'll have all of your favorite scenes. It'll have Michael Caine saying, I never thought we would be the beast. I've always been, been our friends. friends. And it'll have Olivia Havlin going, ah. <laughs> um, So watch the short version if you can. Uh, but, you know, it, I think it's on that list with uh, with with Death Wish 3. and To uh, Josh. And and hard to kill or whatever. No, uh, marked for death. Marked for death. Yeah. And uh, the other really really spectacularly bad movies that we've watched. Why do you why do you put it with them? I'm just curious. Because it was enjoyably bad. You did not enjoy to... Death Wish three. Uh, no, I did. I mean, it was I was laughing oh, while we watched okay. it. I'm saying enjoyably bad. Yeah. Um, sort of on the you know on the spectrum of you know. There are bad movies your, right, like Man movie. Man of Steel. And then there okay, are... we watched oh. Me Off Steel this week. Yeah. Um, so and then anyhow, there are... Let's get back to the... Uh, so, Kate, mm-hmm. if this movie itself were a cocktail, mm-hmm. what, what would it be? What would it be? What would it be? Yes. Um, well, my train of thought on this movie is that it is uh, probably... I don't want to say that it's going to involve honey whiskey. Because it's a little on the nose. It's a little on the nose. But um, I do want to... You want to be more creative. I think you have to actually do something besides just use the verb to be in order to make a satisfying be pun. Inevitably. No, that doesn't work either. that doesn't. It's not... They're not killer blees. They're not Africanized blees. So to me, um, this movie would be something that's kind of highly... I mean, sorry, in terms of cocktail, it would be very derivative of something because it's like it's it, it you can see the spirit that it that it came from you know what i mean like you could see like where it's coming from like in terms of disaster movies and like monster movies you can see like oh okay a movie about killer bees that would make sense so oh, okay right. no I, okay, go, go ahead G- give me your drink well what i was gonna say is it would be something <laughs> like something like you know how like we have like martinis and then we have like Teenies, and then we have like French teenies. To me, this would be something like that. Like it would be made with honey for mm-hmm. no reason other than the fact that that's something we haven't done before. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it would be a right, teeny like of we some did, kind. Right, we did disaster movies, and now you we'll know? do it with the so, swarm. So it would be a teeny of some kind, mm-hmm. probably not having, like, any actual gin or vermouth in it. It would be, like, you know, like, vodka and honey and, you know, for shits and giggles, there's some elderflower liqueur in there, you know, but it would be called... Yeah, I don't know what this drink is. I don't know what it is either. That's my point. Is it some kind of specificity? It's some kind of teeny. Because there's because there's so many teenies. <laughs> do you, do you understand my? my, my... Here's, what, here's what I thought mine would be. Is uh, it has to be something that is a total disaster that has just the wrong things in it from the get go. So to me, it's like a Bloody Mary that you make with ketchup. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's oh what God! To All me. right, yours is better. Bloody yours is Mary better with ketchup. Yours is right, and now I am not enjoying the French seventy five today, so I can't render what movie the French seventy five would be if it were a movie. But Kate, in your considered opinion, mm-hmm. if the French seventy five were a movie, what would it be? I'm going to go with the English Patient. Why is that? Because it is a movie that seems it is a movie that seems very um, like you should like it, very mm-hmm. pretentious, like something that everyone should think that they mm-hmm. like. But it's still only going to appeal to a certain few. And then even more, after you're done with the drink, you're kind of like... So that was a thing. That was a thing. Like champagne and gin? Okay. That was a thing. I mean, it's tasty, and it's kind of okay, but then as you get towards the end, like you do with the English patient, it starts off really well. You remember that Kristen Scott Thomas and uh, Juliette Binoche were both in that movie. I just forgot who Julia yeah. Binoche was in that movie. I remember Kristen yeah. Scott the Thomas. Was fucking three and a half hours long. Exactly. So my thing like is, a, it starts off. Guy. It starts off, and you're like, okay, this is good. And then you get to the middle, and you're like, all right, I got to finish it. And then you get to the end, and you're like, well, that was a thing. So to yeah. me, it's the it's the English patient. Yeah, that's a good choice. Does that make sense? I mean, like, yeah. what do you think? You you had your own little bit taste. No, of I mean, it. I, I don't. I didn't taste enough of it, but I think English patient sounds uh, sounds pretty accurate. Although, uh, you know, I think maybe we might have. If it was a little sweeter, I might have uh, been more favorable to it. Maybe we should try simple syrup instead of yeah. Yeah, the... it's hard to muddle muddle sugar. Um, simple syrup tends to work a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else went down this week? Well, we saw Man of Steel. We did. I was disappointed in that movie. I was too. I wanted to like it because the nerds hated it so much. I wanted See, to find you a keep saying like that, it. but I'm pretty sure the nerds liked it. No, they did. After they Superman Returns, they, this was like the they golden no like second coming no, of they, Superman. I mean, my friend Josh, whose opinion I value immensely. You're not talking about yourself. You're no. talking about another person named Josh. Uh, liked it a lot. Oh, okay. Um, and I can see why he liked it, and uh, I don't disagree. The reasons that I didn't like it were not, you know, there was a big standard complaint on the internet about, hey, my Superman doesn't kill people. Eh, whatever. It's just fucking Superman. They get to make their own version of it. My was just, it didn't, it, it was completely, eh, whatever. Nobody wants to hear us talking about a stupid comic book movie. It just drove me nuts. It was yeah. all over the map. It was, yeah, exactly. That was my problem. The editing was off. The acting was weird. You didn't know what it was, what it was, was going to be. It didn't, yeah. If it was an origin story, it's like, why is, you know, there's, there's no reason for Lois Lane to be in the movie. Except that, you know, it's one of those, like, reverse-engineered movies. It's like everything that happens in the movie happens because... because you know it's a Superman You know movie. it's a Superman Exactly. Movie. I agree. You know? I agree. If you came in not knowing that it was a Superman movie, none of it would have made sense. So, therefore, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, eh. I would have rather just stayed at home and cleaned out our uh, DVR and watched all the freaking catnips that we have backed up. We do have a lot of catnips yeah. backed up. I'm sorry. I know I need to be better about that. Well, about... We, two. we watched two, and we have one more. Mm-hmm. Um Second and third episode. And they're both kind of one-offs. Yeah. Um, with guest uh, rogues. I think we had the one with Josh Molina mm-hmm. and uh, his pet cat, um, who he was... Who had of... the same voice as Josh Molina. I think they did that on purpose. Right. And it was it was a different than the pilot. I think, 
you know, the, the premise that the first five episodes of any show are supposed to all be sort of able to serve as the pilot. Mm-hmm. And in this one, we saw where in the in the whereas in the pilot, the villain was uh, a pet. In this one, Josh Molina, the human was a pet and his cat was sort of meek and had to be sort of coaxed by Mitzi into helping uh, prevent this crime, which was going to be uh, against uh, Mitzi's family, um, mm-hmm. that it turned out that uh, God, what was it? It was some sort of uh, like a bank scam, or I mean, an insurance scam, or something. Yeah, it had something to do with. Um... He was trying to get the the son in the family uh, to do one of those bumping runs where mm-hmm. the, it's a whiplash scam, and I think because the son of Mitzi's family is uh, was he like sixteen? Yeah, something like so that. He's like a he's driver, right? So and he's also like right in his uh, his like rebellious phase, like oh my parents don't know anything. I don't so if you get approached, you know, right. by a smooth-talking neighbor, who... right? And Josh Molina's sort of—he's a—he was a personal injury lawyer, and he mm-hmm. was just sort of setting up one of these, you know, these scams that they do where people will fake getting injured. They'll, you know, slam on their brakes so that they can get hit from behind and do and whiplash and everything whiplash. like that. Yeah. Uh, and so this one, yeah, exactly. This one didn't have so much to do with the animal side of right. it. But as it was sort more... of learning. It was again, we're setting the rules of uh, of the the universe where. Uh, Mitzi has to sort of navigate evildoers in one side and evildoers on the other side. And we didn't get a lot of the continuity pushed forward. We didn't see any of the rabbit. Uh, or the, the ermine. Or the ermine. Well, in the third episode, they gave us a hint of the ermine. We'll get to that. Right. I didn't, I actually only saw the first half of the third one, so I'm sort of going to rely on you. Okay. Well, at least for the end of the second one, I did like how they kind of relied on um, the human, like how we can like understand how like human elements can like leak not trickle down, but like Mitzi can be involved in. It's not mm. just a strictly like animal based like crime solving right. thing. Although it's she's Although, not, it's not like Mitzi it's not like he has any authority. It's just this was sort of he didn't want his family to get taken. Yeah, well I was gonna say it's it's a delicate game with Mitzi because he has to kind of um influence events without being there to right. take credit for them because you know, he's just and a nobody, cat. And nobody can understand him except the grandmother, but we don't even know if she really knows what's going on or exactly. not. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. okay. So what happened in the third episode? So in the third episode, there was another heist. Okay. Um, there was a, a robbery. Mitzi has to uh, talk to his his informant, who is a uh, rather bedraggled poodle. Who this is different the alley than the weasel. Him. Yeah. Okay. So this is another informant. Well, this is one that doesn't have necessarily like direct ties to the the rodent mob. He's just kind of like a streetwise like. I mean, like I think mm-hmm. he actually no wait yeah the poodle owns a pawn shop so like you know he, uh, he so sees like all types right exactly he's a fence but you know, like it's it's not a pawn shop like he didn't actually have like brick and mortar pawn shop it's like kind of a thing in the alley next to the trash right. can where he buries things because mm-hmm. he's a dog get mm-hmm. it. And he's kind of a bedraggled poodle, like you know, you you feel like he he could have been someone in another life, but like now he's mm-hmm. down to a certain level. Okay, so this is where I had to leave. So you saw right. the rest of the episode, right? So I mean, let's see what happened. Um, well, we learned more about the ermine mm-hmm. because uh, you know there's been a, a there's been a, a success, not a success, a series mm-hmm. of crimes robbery crimes going on across the city mm-hmm. and it's almost at this point like Was the robber implicated in this heist that had to well, do with the it's, pawn it's shop? like the robber is uh it, it isn't even like they're just playing around because they don't ever take anything that's mm-hmm. actually really valuable oh, so it's like sort of like a to catch a thief cat burglar type thing. yeah exactly it's Herman just, burglar. yeah exactly it's like he's just you know this, this person whoever it is is playing with mitzi and the rest of the police that they work for um the only thing it's like she goes or he although through genetic testing, we realize later it's a she. Only um, 
goes out of her way to only leave one single fur from her coat. Like, no fingerprints, nothing else. That's very crafty. You know what I mean? Just as a tease. And so Mitzi is, like, kind of... <laughs> Pardon. I get some ermine hair in my nose. So Mitzi is kind of, uh, you know, intrigued, but at the right. same time, like, flummoxed. Like, so whoever like, this is is a pro. I, I've never seen anyone... So uh, most of the episode dealt with uh, Mitzi trying to track down this person and connecting the threads of the different mm-hmm. crime scenes. And when they, by the time he realizes that it's it's the one person, you know, so it's this, this is mysterious the ermine. ermine. Do know it is? Yeah. Okay. Um, Does he tie it back to the one from the pilot? Well, so here's the thing. He starts thinking that it's probably the person from the pilot, but then one of his lab technicians, mm-hmm. named Ricky, comes up to him and is like, Chief, or not is Chief. Is Ricky also a cat? Yeah. Ricky's, okay. Ricky, he's he's a ginger cat. Okay. He's um younger, like very precocious, mm-hmm. like, you know, wants to prove himself. And he goes up and he tells Mitzi, hey, Mitzi, turns out that our thief is a girl. But, and then that's but, where it cuts black. But we already knew that. We knew that. Mitzi yeah, see, didn't I don't know like that. that. I don't like if we're ahead of the uh, of the of the characters. They got to watch out about that. I I know. I, I agree. But I mean, I just I stick by the fact. I don't think Mitzi knew. He didn't know. So no, no, it was I know. Like, I'm just saying. I don't want to close it. You know, I don't like watching shows where I'm. I've got more information than the characters because then it's just like you're constantly waiting for them to catch up to you. Right. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I, I did appreciate the fact that they they zoomed in okay. on Mitzi's face while so he was. It, so you you would say th- th- a, a really solid pilot, mm-hmm. and then the two yeah. the two one offs were yeah. Well, the third one wasn't so much as a one off as the fact that it you know it, it depends on where they go from here. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it, it has the seeds of potentially really great, and then... Who knows? Yeah, like, lost to that. It seemed like it might have been good yeah. from the first couple of episodes, but you never know. Yeah, that's true. So. All right. Hey, you got any recommendations? No, I, I don't. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Project Runway, but, I mean, that's pretty yeah. always awesome, so... I watch, uh, I've been watching The Leftovers, and I know you won't watch it because of its lost connection, but I think it's really good. Uh, it's, it is slow, uh, but it's on HBO, and if you have HBO um, and you like uh, sort of thoughtful stories about people dealing with loss and uncertainty, that's pretty much what it is. It's not really – I think people tried to bill it as sort of a sci-fi show, and it's not. It's sort of premised on a sci-fi-ish incident, but there's not really a lot of – in fact, none that I can think of – sort of mysterious stuff outside of that in the um, sense that the premise of it is that one out of every 50 people has vanished in an event so two percent of the world's population has vanished in an event and how how does how do people the people who survived deal with this mysterious event that is inexplicable the vanishing yes uh, so and people deal with it in various various ways. And there's a character who's a priest, and there's some people who are in sort of a weird doomsdayish cult, and a couple a couple of weird doomsdayish cults. Um, the main character, who's played by Justin Theroux, is uh, the police chief, and he's sort of trying to hold his family together. And everyone has lost someone, right? Uh, in the event, uh, so I, I liked it. So there was that, and. Um, I've been cruising my way through the Hulu Plus Criterion Collection because the the transfers are really really good of these sort of classic movies and uh, I watched I rewatched uh, Rules of the Game which is wonderful this week if you haven't seen it it's like classic farce sad farce from uh, Jean Renoir and uh, I rewatched Persona which is uh, a freakazoid uh, Ingmar Bergman film about two women going crazy and becoming sort of the same person and 
I feel like David Lynch movies, every David Lynch movie is a ripoff of Persona in some way. You so, <laughs> uh, said, yeah, but just cruise through the, the Hulu Plus Criterion Collection and pick something. It's pretty much all awesome stuff. And I like the leftovers. So, so there. Well, as always, uh, I've enjoyed spending some time with you. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at pntcast at gmail.com. Write a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher. We're on Twitter at at PNTCast. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Prefer Not To. We're on Tumblr at pntcast.tumblr.com. I think that's it. I don't think mm-hmm. I missed anything. So, enjoyed spending some time with you, and we hope you spend some time with us again next week. As always, thank you so much for listening. We've been fighting a losing battle against the insects for 15 years. But I never thought I'd see the final face-off in my lifetime. And I never dreamed that it would turn out to be the bees. They've always been our friends. <laughs>